Hey, welcome to the Words First podcast, a podcast where I talk to story brand guides and other marketing experts about how to use words in their marketing. We focus a lot on how do you implement story brand in your business specifically, and we try to deal with a little bit more of some of the edge cases. Story brand as a as a framework or as an ideology, methodology, we'll call it a methodology. It works for everyone. It's it's a broad tool that, that can work for a lot of different folks, but it looks a little different in particular context. And so today I am going to have a conversation with John Morrison. He and I have both gone through being generalists in some of our marketing and then also having a really clear niche. And so we're going to talk about the difference between being a generalist and being a niche guide and the advantages. So, John, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Matt. It's a privilege to meet you, and I'm thankful to dive into this conversation. Yeah. Well, why don't you, what's your What's your credibility and authority? Why should we care what you have to say about any of this stuff? Yeah, I would, I would say the headline would be local entre- or Canadian entrepreneur sells his business for seven figures which nice. would, would be enough to get people excited. Now, obviously, there's in Canada, so we pay heavily tax on that. I was also in a partnership. <laughs> but the cool thing is that it started, our, our roots were very humble in that I became a, a story brand guide six years ago. And basically, I did it because I had to feed my family and we, we had to pay a mortgage. And so I was just hungry to, do, to work with anybody. I mean, we know mm-hmm. in the early days of business, like there was people asking me to, clarify their message. I could do it, do their website. I'd try to do it. Uh, can you hide a body? Sure, I'd, I'll do it. <laughs> right? like, I'll do anything at that point. And then just slowly stumbled into finding that there was a certain type of person, a certain type of chiropractor, I'll say, and they really liked StoryBrand. I was a part of a mastermind group that someone invited me into based on a Facebook group that I was leading. So a member of the Facebook group invited me to a mastermind. There was 10 chiropractors on that call. And they all, I learned after two hours, had had their own podcast, had their own Facebook groups. I got invited into that, started talking about StoryBrand there, and all of a sudden started getting tons of clients, got invited to speak at events for chiropractors around North America. Mm-hmm. And, and then COVID hit, so we had to get a little more creative. And that's when we really doubled down on just being a tech company. So I had a website platform. We found a strategic partner that was going to send us clients. And so we built that strategic Mm -hmm. partnership up. They were growing like crazy through COVID and we just rode their coattails and they kept sending us website clients. So then they got a bunch of money through COVID and as their stock was rising, Mm -hmm. they needed to purchase some companies. So they came after us, their most natural partner. And that's how a local entrepreneur stumbled into selling his business for seven figures. So So like the... The, the main points here were need a job, so I guess I'll do story brands, <laughs> yeah. uh, like freelance it. I'll, I'll work with anyone, but you mm-hmm. kind of stumbled into this chiropractic niche. Yep. There was a ton of opportunity, and you and you just kind of doubled down with that specific niche. You don't have any background. As that well. was against me. <laughs> I had been to a chiropractor. I played ice hockey growing up. So I'd been to a chiropractor. I was a fan of chiropractors. I had sore hips from my hockey days. Now I'm into my <laughs> 40s. So I could always had the empathy piece about how much they're helping people mm-hmm. like me. So that was good for a sales call. No, I, they could never get credit for any talk that I gave because I wasn't a doctor. So that was kind of actually a setback mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. But I think people appreciated like calling an actual marketer rather than a chiropractor who yeah. did marketing. So I think it worked out to my well, advantage I- at the end. 
yeah, I, I actually like to tell some of my clients or prospects, it's a good thing that I don't know as much about your industry as you because right. I'm like your customer. Right. So I can sit in that customer seat and Brilliant. help you like understand if you're being clear. So if you're trying to sell to me, which it sounds like yeah. you have used chiropractors and so you'd be the ideal yeah. customer, you can understand where the customer is sitting and, and what they need more. So it, you, can, you can frame it. As Matt, a, that's as a brilliant a line. I wish I knew that five years ago. <laughs> well, so you kind of stumbled into that. I also stumbled into my niche. I have a background in fine arts. So my degree is in conceptual installation sculpture, which is, as far as I know, the least commercially viable form of art that you can possibly create. I believe in uh, business they weird. call that a sunk cost. <laughs> yeah. You're no longer it's, using it's that the, set of skills. <laughs> it's the weird stuff that gets like installed in a room, but you can't even sell it and have someone go put it on their wall somewhere. And I ended up just through StoryBrand as well. I worked with a few accounting firm folks and mm-hmm. they just turned out to be great customers. A lot of my, I guess my skill set or perspective matched or complemented what they had, but it mm-hmm. wasn't the same. And so I ended up specifically working with accounting firms. So you've got your chiropractic clinics. I've got my accounting firms. It's great to have a niche. Why Why is it great to have a niche if you are a story brand guide or if you're a marketer in general? Yeah. And if I could do it again, I would have started with what I know now, right? So it is way better, way easier to start with, with a niche because mm. you can be so much more focused. When you don't have a niche, you have a confusing business, one that can offer everything to everyone. And when you do that, you are at risk of confusion. And that's the very thing that in StoryBrand we're trying to fight, right? So we're trying to avoid confusion, and yet it baked into the very core of our business is confusion. So if you ask most guides, myself included, and by the way, I have a lot of empathy for anybody that's on the generalist side, because when, I, when we sold the company, like I literally had to sign away that whole niche, and I, and I, <laughs> I couldn't work with them anymore. So it's, it's hilarious to me that I literally have to smoke what I'm selling now and, yeah. and start all over. So now that I am starting over again, I see that there's so many advantages. Simplicity is one of them. But with marketing, for example, it's way easier to market when, where you're going and who you're talking to. If you're trying to talk to everybody, mm-hmm. you're, you're a shotgun approach, whereas it's way easier to, to, to be very clear on, on who you're talking to so you can use the right words. So I mean, marketing is one. Processes would be another one. So if you have a clear target then what the problem is that they are all figure, trying to figure out they need some help how to help them the process to help them you can line it all up and now you can just put them through and people like them through and now if you're not trying to reinvent the wheel every single time and in my early days I was trying to offer everything to everyone I'd be like okay how do I figure out the Facebook algorithm how do we do better social posts how do we do ads it seemed like the technology was always changing oh they wanted someone on YouTube okay I got to learn the YouTube algorithm whereas if you just yeah. do one thing and you do that really well and you solve one problem with one simple process that gets a certain outcome, it just it simplifies your processes. And then you get to back off and say, I can actually train someone else to do this. And I can train a few people mm-hmm. to do it. So yes. now not only are you making it simpler, but you're actually making it more scalable. And, and then you're delivering consistent results too. So if you, have a, mm-hmm. if you have a pattern or a history of really happy clients, then you're not a new client doesn't call me like, oh man, I sure hope we can deliver for this person. It's like, no, actually right. we know how to deliver for this person because we just helped 10 people that day or the, that week or whatever. For them, it's a huge crisis. For you, it's Thursday morning because this is what you mm-hmm. do all the time. And yeah. one, one other one that I, that I really like is that you become a C-list celebrity, 
when you have a niche and you serve it well, you're a C-list celebrity. So Harry and Meghan, A-list celebrity, can't go to a restaurant without paparazzi following up. Don't want that, right? People peeking through your windows all the time. Even a B-list celebrity, right? Like if you're sort of known, but you're getting interrupted all the time, you don't really want that. But a C-list celebrity is only famous when they want to show up, right? You go to a conference, people want you to speak, they want to read your book, they want to shake your hand and say how much they love you. But then they ignore you as soon as you leave the conference. That's the kind of celebrity that I want to be and that I think you want to be. That's why yeah. you have podcasts, right? Well known to some people, but otherwise unknown to most. Perfect. The great thing about, so from a, from a business model standpoint, if you're, if you're in marketing or there's a, lot of, there's a lot of business, a lot of industries and businesses where having a niche makes a ton of sense. Like having a really narrow, clear audience and the way there's different ways that people choose a niche. I think one is a lot of folks end up with a horizontal niche, right? So they even story brand, you could you could consider that it's a generalist horizontal niche. Right. We do story brand for anyone. It's a specific thing, mm-hmm. but we'll do it for anyone. And then you've got your vertical niche, which is we work with a particular type of client or industry and we do the same type of work for those types of clients over over and over again. When I think about choosing a really helpful niche, you kind of mentioned it, you want something where you can go to conferences, you can go on podcasts for mm-hmm. that audience. You can find, you could even, if you wanted, you could probably buy a mailing list for that audience. But if you define the niche too broadly, and I see a lot of folks, one of the ways they struggle is they, folks that want to work with, like, we want to work with businesses who are in favor of, so, like, have social good as part of their mission statement. Well, that's great, but you can't buy a list of mm-hmm. social good focused businesses. You right. can't go to a conference because they don't identify them that way. But you can you can identify chiropractic clinic owners or accounting firm yeah. owners, and it's much easier yeah. to to kind of narrow in on that. Hundred. Let me just let me just chime in that I, I have a case study for that. Like. It was very clear the conferences that we had to go to to market the business to to get exposure. It was also very clear which podcasts we had to speak to to uh-huh. to pitch them ideas like, hey, we got a great idea. This new thing came out or we know we know people are thinking about this. What do you think about doing this for the podcast? And most times they would say, yep, I'd love to have you on again. So there were some podcasts that I was on four times. Right. And then we ended up yeah. sponsoring that podcast because we had a clear niche. We knew exactly where we were supposed to go, whereas trying to get to every podcast and every conference was just impossible. So I, yes. I just had a great case study for you there and how it worked. For it's me. now let me throw a wrench in here. <laughs> I've also found kind of in every industry, there's a few players who I think of as kind of like the mass market, like cheap suppliers for that industry, right? I'm sure there are website businesses, just websites for chiropractors, mm-hmm. and they're really templated. You just plug in and play. And so I feel like there's there can be this tipping point where like someone who is in a niche gets so optimized for their own efficiency that the benefits for the customer start to drop off. And I also see usually there's a correlation with price. Like those those tend to get cheaper in part because they're going after volume. They're not going after that custom experience. Mm-hmm. But I've also, I don't know. I mean, my, my gut feeling is a lot of the ones, a lot of the, the folks in my niche who use those services, yeah, it's just like, it's not great quality, I guess, right. at the end of the day. I don't know if it's working for them. Right. And I think at the end of the day, that's a business decision from the owner. Like, are you going to allow the, 
customer experience to drop as you scale. One of the things I love is the company that built us, or so that, that bought us, we've had some experience just working with them in the, the afterglow of the deal. And I've really enjoyed listening to them. And they basically said, we just, all we need is, is three things. We need a, a clear target, like a who, and then we need a problem that it solves to fit the industry. And thirdly, we need to deliver outstanding customer experience. And they've never left those three things. One, we know exactly who we're going after. Two, we know exactly the problem that we solve for them. And thirdly, we're going to bend over backwards to make sure our customer experience never falters. And we're always giving like the highest level because they saw that in the market, that the exact same thing you were saying, Matt, is that as companies scaled, the customer experience tanked. And they said, no, that shouldn't happen. And that was totally inspiring for me. I was like, I can remember that. Like there's a lot of things having done an MBA that I've forgotten about business, but I'll never forget the who, the what, and the wow. And if you can, if you can have a clear who and you solve a clear problem for them and you deliver a wow experience, then I've seen that you can scale that thing to endless number of clients. Because remember, we, when you have that clear who and the what, then the what is really the process that you use to serve them. And then whatever you gotta do to make sure that what is delivered in a wow kind of environment just little things like answering the phone or talking to them and going that extra mile and having customer service instead of just a, maybe a chat bot or something like that, right? Just yeah. being available and not charging clients for every little extra nickel you can squeeze out of them. Like those are the kind of commitments you can make where you can still scale the business without dropping the customer mm-hmm. experience so that they have to turn to an expensive boutique. So from a business owner's perspective, it's way better to go for volume because it means you're going to help more people and you can probably drop the price as you get more efficient as a company. Mm-hmm. Whereas the boutique person is going to have to do a lot more research. They're going to be blindsided by some things they didn't learn about. It could get into scope creep where they, they didn't realize something. Now they're upset and you're upset. So yeah. the boutique version is not always better. In fact, the the grizzled company, the veterans that know exactly what to do to how to solve a problem. But if they can still love the customer, value the customer and serve the customer with a wow through the end, they can scale. So I know that was kind of completely against your point, but I've seen it work well where it doesn't (laughs) have to be. both ways, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting when you work with a company that really understands your industry or your niche, they are not guessing at much, mm-hmm. right? And so a lot of times when you work with a generalist firm or a freelancer, whoever it is, you come up with a project and there's a lot of unknown unknowns that are that are going to be a part of that project because you just as a marketing company, I can't know everything about every person I could build mm-hmm. a website or every industry I could build a website for. And beyond that, I definitely can't know everything about the customers of the companies that I might build a website for. So it's this kind of really ever-expanding base of knowledge that you almost need to have to really serve those customers well. And so every time we go into that sort of project as a generalist, there's there's a certain amount of fogginess about what is this going to look like? What do they need? I know in, in my space, I know that an accounting firm usually doesn't need more than 10 pages on their website. Mm-hmm. They're not making the, the type of like marketing play that they're making is not one that's all about like dozens and dozens of like deeper pages. They need to have a clear, compelling offer mm-hmm. and a, a simple to navigate site so you can get people on the phone. Yeah. 
But if I'm if I'm working with a charter school, I know that site's going to be enormous because <laughs> they do need a thousand different yeah. pages. But I, as someone who doesn't specialize in charter schools, there's a lot of unknowns that are going to go into that project, and mm-hmm. so I probably have to scope extra high to cover right. my bases yeah. in order to make that work. Yeah, I completely agree with you. There, as you understand the industry more, some of the things that they don't even know, the client doesn't even know coming in. You can, uh-huh. like we we learned very quickly that ADA compliance was a big deal, like having a website that's Mm -hmm. easy for people with disabilities and there was lawsuits going around the states and uh, we learned that this is actually important peace of mind to have that little widget there that's that lets people know this is an ada compliant website now Mm -hmm. i'd say 99 percent of our clients will never have to face litigation but they'll sleep well Mm -hmm. at night knowing that we've got them covered and if you if you were doing your first ever medical website you would have known that so you wouldn't have put it there but that's just one of the things we could say, like, we can put that there. Good faith estimate was another thing that chiropractors need to have in the state. So it just protects the patient from getting these outrageous bills by the end. So we just bake that right into every website. We could say, look, we've, yeah. we've got this in there. And again, if you hire your nephew to build your website, like he's the, the boutique, as boutique as it gets, mm-hmm. he's not going to know those things, right? So when you're industry, you're able to add more value and maybe even because you've already got it there, you don't have to write it all. It's just, it's going to save yeah. the client some well, money. You become- you become a dual guide, right? So you're you're the marketing expert, but you're also an industry expert. Mm-hmm. And that brings a lot of value to your clients because I think at the end of the day, my goal is always I want to be the guide for my clients. And that means I'm not asking them what they want. I'm trying to show them what they need. And so my goal is when I present something to say for them to say, oh, of course, that's exactly what we should do, rather than for me to present something and them say, oh, I like it or I don't like it. Because then you're you're dealing with personal preference or opinion. You're not dealing with that expertise that you can really bring to the engagement, right? Mm-hmm. Let me ask you a question. Let's – I mean this is the Words First podcast. So story brand, how – when you were starting off and you kind of found yourself in this niche, how were you using StoryBrand with these clients? Were you doing kind of the classic like messaging strategy sessions mm-hmm. or did you kind of develop a framework specifically for your niche that you were able to replicate across different companies? Yeah, I'm going to geek out in the industry a little bit to help frame this. StoryBrand yeah. is a luxury product and the chiropractors that I worked with, it's not the Mercedes 80s anymore where chiropractors would drive around in Beamers and Mercedes and it was just they were just making money hand over fist there's been so many changes in the industry and how insurance is done and how people view chiropractors that even the type of chiropractor that we were working on was they're they're not a high volume practice we were i worked with Mm -hmm. evidence-based chiropractors it just so happens i like those ones better than than some of the other guys that i learned they were kind of the villains of to to these other groups right (laughs) so i i kind of knew that there was this huge split in the chiropractic world so it's not even like we had we were going after the whole market it was really just yeah. This, this certain shibboleths that this group had where they knew who they were and they knew who they weren't. So I had to learn them. And that's not the, they didn't have a ton of cash. So if I would come in and say, oh, we're going to charge you a, a few thousand dollars just to clarify your message, I would be not able to feed my family. Let's just say. So mm. I had to get more creative. And I realized that if I just offered people a PDF that sat on their desktop that they never looked at, that it was not going to look good on <laughs> us. So we had to productize really quickly. So even though a PDF is a product, I just knew it wasn't pragmatic enough for the, the tight margins that, that we were dealing with in chiro- the particular type of chiropractor. So we had to do StoryBrand websites right away. 
didn't really even sell many of the brand scripts or the three-day work with yep. you and decide on your colors. It was like, go to your favorite sports team or a local team and grab those three colors because some other consultant has already been paid thousands of dollars to, to say that these three colors work together or go ask my, my wife. She knows what three colors work together. Tells yep. me every morning. Like there's, there's, there's ways you can save money and I had to there's yada like yada. thresholds you have to meet. But, yeah. but beyond that, the customization doesn't bring a ton of value to a yeah. lot of these customers. Yeah, right? so we were in that lower price point for sure. But because of that, I, I learned how to scale some things. And so we scaled a lot of our content. So hip pain is, is there's, there's only so many ways to talk about hip pain. So we were able to have some custom hip pain, same with back pain. So the product was, hey, done for you websites with a story brand template that now... And then even to keep our margins down even more, we, we showed a, a series of videos where I talked about a headline. How do you pick your headline? Mm-hmm. Well, now write the headline in here. What problem do you solve as a clinic? Mm-hmm. Write that in here. So then we were able to take those and then plunk them into their website. So they were still getting a custom website, but yeah. and a story they were brand. They more of the work. Yeah, story <laughs> brand website, but they were doing more of the work. I had to pass on it to work because I didn't want to do it yeah. myself. We just didn't have the margins to do it. So getting creative in how you create a product and a process. But then by the end, once we had that done, I mean, we were cranking them out all the time, right? And and mm-hmm. as a result, we got way more customers than we could have if I was just taking the three-day workshop or retreat with every single client, right, to, to do that. So <laughs> had to get efficient yeah. that way to, to do story brand websites for chiropractors. Mm-hmm. And did your, did your clients usually know about story brand and know that you were like was that an important part yeah of the selling certainly in the them? in the early days that's what i had a facebook group I still do it was about story brand where just we were just talking about story brand and then one of the chiropractors joined that group and then said i'm a part of this group so they had all read mm-hmm. the book and they wanted to yeah. talk to a story brand guide so i i mean i don't have enough intelligence to to think through like oh there's this group of chiropractors that it's like it's really just stumbling into a niche. And, and mm-hmm. I, I've heard it say you can be pulled into a niche. And I think that's the best yeah. way to do it. Like if someone's thinking, I got to go on a three-day retreat and find my niche or whatever, I think you're going to have a hard time <laughs> just picking someone and then going there. I think yeah. you often have to, you have, to, you have to be that generalist for a while. And then maybe you can do an audit and strategically mm-hmm. move into your niche but, or niche or whatever segment, whatever you want to call it. I realize I probably sound <laughs> French or something now. But anyways, I think niche, niche sounds ve- elevated, I but guess niche, so. the riches are in the niches. Totally. That's the, and that's why I've that literally switched it to segment because it just, it takes all the debate right off the table. Just talk about <laughs> your segment. Anyway, yeah. so all that to say, I think it's more organic and natural to be pulled in, to have, to be wanted on a podcast, to be invited to speak mm-hmm. in somewhere, to be asked for your expertise rather than showing up and just waving. But you can, you still can show up and wave and try and, and see yeah. if anybody says hi. But it's way easier to get pulled in. For story brand guides that are listening to this, what I would say is you do find that there are types of clients you like to work with and don't like to work with. And so being a generalist for a while, just to get that, whether you're a guide or just in marketing in general, you want to you get that understanding of who mm-hmm. the types of clients you like and don't like. But beyond that, there's I think there is benefit you don't have to have come out of a specific industry to serve a specific industry. Right. We're both examples of, of that, of kind of finding our way into a niche that was not something that we were expecting and, and we're able to provide a lot of value there. And so 
it's okay if it's a little bit arbitrary or it's if it's a little bit random and doesn't feel like you don't you don't have to have this epiphany of like it's been my dream to always serve a specific type of client and that's why I'm mm -hmm. here now sometimes that opportunity finds you I would say it's still better to pick a niche like look for that opportunity rather than waiting for the perfect opportunity like you said, that you come up with on your three-day retreat that you chase after. Sometimes you just got to take what's in front of you. <laughs> yeah. And the way I would do it is I would, I would make it scientific. If you can, like I would take a list of all your previous clients and maybe you got to give yourself some grace where you just think through like, okay, who are my favorite clients? Well, I've only had three. So I probably need to take a little bit of time <laughs> and wait till you have 15 and then make yeah. a list. And I've actually put together a little bit of a, a framework where it's you have categories like enjoyment. So that's give it one out of mm -hmm. five. So you have, your, let's say your 20 clients, give them a list from one to five. What did I enjoy the most? And then the results, one to five, What who did we get resu best results for? Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you want to feel confident when you're going in, right? Like we're actually delivering yeah. for these people. We're getting to five-star Google reviews. They're they're referring to their friends, like you're getting great results and you love showing up because you feel like an all-star every time you pick up the phone and you can solve their problem, no problem. Uh, payability too, right? You talked about, I wanna work with socially minded people <laughs> and that's good, but if you got to make sure they're socially minded with a, with a checking account, right? They have to be able to pay yes. you, otherwise you just have a hobby. Mm -hmm. Another one that I would say is connect. how connected or influential are they, right? Are they in an area where they can see other people? Or are they like literally the only type of person and, and they never talk to anybody because they're so isolated, right? So you can get little, you can get too niche, niche down, in which case, yeah. you know, there's no chance to, to, for them to talk and, and refer, right? So are they connected? Do they have podcasts? Do they have conferences? What's their at industry like? And yeah. then maybe connected to that, no pun intended, is scalability, right? Like, is there an opportunity for this thing to grow? And mm -hmm. so one to five, enjoyment, results, payability, uh, connected or influence and scalability. And then you have a total yeah. number and whichever, wh whoever you see, like, is there any, look at your highest scores, who's got the best results. And, mm -hmm. uh, and then it's, it's science now. You can't argue with science, yeah. right? So the science then says, David, David C. Baker, he's a, a consultant for marketing firms. He, I think he talks about you want your niche to be somewhere between like 2000 and 20,000 opportunities right. within that. If it's if it's less than 2000, it's going to be really hard for you to scale. And then but he also says, I think this is really fascinating. You want between 20 and 200 competitors, hmm. because if you find yourself in a niche and there's no one else competing right. for it, well, it might be that they've already figured out that there's no money to be made here. Right. And so like, right. don't don't chase after a niche that is that's brilliant. That is too difficult to be profitable in. Uh, John, where so you you've got this scale like the, these five columns. You've just exited the chiropractic clinic space by selling your company. Where do you think you're going to go next? Whoa, are you going to pick another boy. niche, or are you going to be a generalist? Well, I'd say come come join my wife and I on the couch one night as we talk it through every single night to figure out what we <laughs> want to do. Yeah, I think I, now I have the playbook right, and now you're like uh -huh. I have this public accountability where I'm talking to people about it. I. I've actually had to do it again, Matt. Like I've, I've looked back and I've been able to like map out, here's what happened. Here's what went well. Here's what I would have done differently at the beginning. But the, what I have to decide is, do I want a lifestyle or do I want another business that we can make another run at this and sell it mm -hmm. again? If you want a lifestyle business, that is awesome. Like we just want to help your friends and your neighbors. And 
uncles that call you and people that you run into in your city and you just want to help people and you make a little living and take off when you want, that's totally fine. You can be a generalist. But the, mm-hmm. the question I have to ask in my, my heart, especially with like as of leading my family, is do we want to do this again? And if we want to do it again, where we literally start start solving a problem for a certain type of person, delivering a certain result, and then scaling it and building a team around mm-hmm. it and then packaging it up and selling it off to somebody, it takes a huge commitment. And so that's that's the season that we're in transparently. Matt is trying to figure that out. In the meantime, I just get to geek out with AI stuff and I'm just <laughs> learning all about AI <laughs> because I think it's fascinating all the different tools that are out like ever since the last few months, right? So it's amazing. So that's that's personally where I'm going. But now at least I know the playbook to get there if we do decide that we're going to make another run at a, a building a great company. Yeah. Now, the thing I always hear when people talk about choosing a niche, they're like, oh, I couldn't work with the same client every week. I would just get too bored. What it, What's your experience? Do you feel like you get bored? Is that a worry when you think about choosing another niche? Or- I would probably ask a few questions, right? Like, it's like, how do you feel about your relationships? Like, do you, do you, do you, have, do you get bored of your spouse, right? Like, do you... <laughs> And I think the thing that we find with commitment, even people that are like, I don't know if I want to choose a niche because I'd be saying no to so many people. It's like, yeah, that's what mm-hmm. that's what marriage is all about. You commit. The scary thing of committing to one person is actually the most beautiful thing that you get to know somebody deeply, more deeply than any of the shallow other kind of relationships that are out there, right? So to go deep- just make sure you date your oh, niche totally. yeah. category a totally. bit before yeah. you before you jump in yeah right? you don't just show up and say hey we're made for each other or whatever you got it that's why we do the hard work of doing the science and stuff and and there is an emotional side to it right the first question did i like yeah. this did i like working with them do i believe in what they're doing and uh, so so there's that like i think i think you you get the peace of mind of knowing that you actually have, are doing something when you show up to work so if you want to help be a generalist and you can do a little bit that's cool, but you, at the end of your career, you, you can look back and say, did I actually make an, an impact? What did I do? Whereas if you have a group of people that you've actually made a huge impact in that industry, you have a body of work that you can look back at and be proud at, proud of. And of course, like you're never going to get bored of all the same people all the time because they're, everyone's so different and everyone's so interesting. Yeah, maybe they're all chiropractors, but if you ask, like, well, what area of, of North America are you from or tell me about your story and you realize they're all so different they're so unique so diverse and it actually can make things quite interesting now of course you're gonna get frustrated like there's not a day that goes by where my wife does is not frustrated by me right but she sticks with it and she goes through those days and and we make it through the next day so i think i think you're gonna get frustrated by your industry by your client base but you keep going you don't give up on them Mm -hmm. i i think that for me i found there's a lot more predictability. So as a business owner, like knowing what kind of work were you going to do. In some ways, I when I decided to really double down on a niche, I said to myself, I, I'm going to intentionally make my business a little bit more boring. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I went into it. I, I discovered, though, it, it's not really more boring. It is a little less hectic, right. a little less chaotic. And you, you feel like each thing is kind of building one on another. So there were a lot of, a lot of advantages I didn't totally expect. Let's talk just a little bit. So 
a lot of this we're talking about choosing a niche and if you're a, if you're a guide or a marketer and I think this applies to other industries but what about if you are looking to hire someone like what are let's talk about like what are some of the advantages and potential like disadvantages or times when you wouldn't want to choose someone who's a specialist in the industry and you might want to go outside and look for something a little bit more outside of the box but mm-hmm. when you're when when you had clients, your chiropractic clinics coming to you, what do you think what what was it that they were looking for that you could provide? Like why would they want to hire you versus mm-hmm. a, a generalist firm? Right. I mean to go to go to the hiring question exactly, I, I would say the best way to hire someone is to start by knowing what you do. Right? If if mm. your business is just your brain incorporated, it's very hard to to duplicate that. In fact, it was never designed to be duplicated. I know the the robots are coming to clone us or whatever, but it's going to be a very difficult thing to do because every human being is so unique, right? You're unique. I'm unique. Mm-hmm. Everyone listening to this is unique. And to just clone us is not going to happen. So if you just say, hey, I'm really too busy. I want to bring someone on to, uh, and you invite them into your chaos of we have a different type of client. We have a different type of project. We have a different thing every single, every single day. It's going to be very difficult. But if you have a very clear, this is who we serve, this is the problem that they have, this is the process, now you can inject them or somebody or anything into each step of the way so they know exactly what it is that they're doing every single day. And it's not chaotic, right? And even you can then slowly start to step back and say, hey, I got people here doing this and I can go either do something else, I can hit the beach, take a day off, whatever it is. So... Then the second question you said is why would somebody want to hire us for that reason is because there's there's order there, right? It's not mm-hmm. – you're not just, you know, duck, duck, damn, right? Every single time it's like good mm-hmm. good client, good client, oh, crap. Good client, good client, oh, crap. It's like no, every single time we we hit it and it does well because we have a clear process here. So I would be concerned on the other end about hiring a generalist who didn't necessarily understand our industry, know our idioms and mm-hmm. – and, know how to work and have a team to do it. See, the thing is a lot of things that people say, they don't really know what they're saying. You'll be on the sales call maybe as the owner or if you're doing sales and they'll say, oh, I'm so glad you guys are small because I really want to work with just you. I don't want to be passed off to anybody. They think that's what they want and they're going to say it. Mm-hmm. But what they really want is the outcome. That's the only thing they care about. Can you mm-hmm. solve this problem that I was so bad that I called you and your company or mm-hmm. I asked a friend and they recommended you? They don't really care how they get there, I think. I mean, that's you can probably have someone else on it who will say argue for the, the <laughs> boutique experience. I think all they care is get me the result that's going to help me solve this problem. However you get there, it doesn't yeah. matter. Now, again, you might have this conversation in your head saying, oh, I, but I, my clients love working with me and I love working with them. Perfect. But just don't ever expect that you can invite anyone else into it because you're going to screw that up. But if you want to have a business that runs on autopilot without you, you have to have a process. And the, only, the best way to have a process is to have a clear problem. And the best way to have a clear problem is to have a clear niche. Yeah. So are there any, in your mind, are there any situations that you can think of when you might want to look? Maybe a generalist isn't the right idea, but where you, within any industry, there's a few like players or hmm. folks that are competing in that same space. 
when would you when might you look outside of that box as a business owner to work with someone a little bit more yeah unpredictable i guess yeah the thought leader is very unpredictable the only thing that's predictable is their breakfast which they blog about or tweet about right that's when you've made it as a thought leader and that you're in a party of one is that you people are interested in what you had for breakfast that day Right, and you can be whimsical. No one cares about my brand. Yeah, we're not there yet, but it's coming, Matt. You keep C list. Yeah, C list celebrity. Right. right. So the thing is, thought leaders can be whimsical and they can be unpredictable and stuff. But if you ask them, they're probably not that. But the truth is, Mm -hmm. if it's just you, like if it if it is just you incorporated, then then that's when somebody would want that. Like we, it's an emotional or sorry, it's a personality driven hire. Right, like if mm-hmm. I hired Gary Vaynerchuk to speak at our keynote, give a keynote, I don't want him giving us to his process to his junior. Right, we we hired him, so I guess that would right. be the exception. Is if you are literally a a one person show, then mm-hmm. people want you. Yeah, it, it, would you elaborate other, on that? I mean, you might have a better idea. Yeah, of what, I mean, I don't. I think one of the areas I can think about is sometimes you have a really, if you have a really competitive market, mm-hmm. right. So let's say if you had 15 chiropractors in the same city and they all used the same web design, right. it can be pretty hard to stand out if you look like everybody else. And so you may want to take a little bit of a look at what is your competition. I, I know in story brand world, for example, we're all on that guide directory and we all have websites and they've all been story branded. Yeah. So people who come through the directory, they go to a dozen websites and they... It's not that any of them are bad. It's just they all kind of look the same because we're using the same systems. And right. so I think there's maybe an opportunity to to try to make – one of my true – the truisms I like to say is different is better than better. So there are times <laughs> when if you if you look the same as everybody else, it's a crowded marketplace. You may want to do a little bit of work to get to be different. But back to your point. Really, that's that's because we're thinking about like we want the outcome, right? And so, if you're if you're buying a commodity service, it's possible that you'll get a commodity outcome, and so you want to make sure that like, but that's it's kind of the two sides of this coin where you can, and and maybe you and I even think differently about this, but you can over index on one particular way of doing things to the to the point that it kind of flattens. Mm-hmm. effectiveness for everyone versus that like highly customized we're going right. to have the the super unique version but there's a lot of times when the expert knows the plug and play thing that you need not and they yeah. know that you don't need the custom yeah right? i would say this if you if you want friends join a bowling league i mean if you want to join a if you want to create a business that has clear outcomes and and that you can walk away that doesn't own like a job or a business right Job mm-hmm. is the is the boutique generalist. The business is the system that you can then sell off and, and then mm-hmm. retire one day, right? So it really depends. And some people, like, I can't imagine hiring, like, my lawn guy and being like, there's so many people that could do my lawn, but I just really like you because you hang around and you're my friend. Maybe you'd want that, but really at the end of the day, I just care. Like, do you, did you make the lawn green? And I had because yeah. I have not enough friends. Well, I don't have many friends. I got kids. <laughs> I got kids. I used to have friends. Now I just friends, now, now I just kids. have I just have parents uh, who uh, oh, of my kids', kids friends. friends. That's all I got. <laughs> but I used to have friends. Yeah. And it and and, yeah. and who I chose for my lawn care didn't was never reflected on the amount of friends I had. Right. It's like, do you solve the problem, and can you do it efficiently for the best price, adding the most value? That's what I care about as a, as a consumer. Yeah. 
for sure. Well, John, this has been a fun conversation. I think totally. we should probably wrap it up here. Uh, where where can people find you, or do you want to be found? <laughs> we all want to be found, man, deep in my heart. Even though I might say I don't, <laughs> I do. Okay, a couple things. If you want to do, like, just creep on the company that we sold, go to clinicsites.co. That's clinic and then sites with a CO at the end. If you want to learn about how I do my story brand, kind of the generalist company that just kind of wants to help everybody and do story brand, you can go to getclear.ca. And if you're interested in some of this segmentation stuff, I actually created a, a website. I actually created a word, <laughs> which was segmentology, which is this, the study of how to dominate a market. And so segmentology.co is where you can kind of learn more about my new passion for helping people discover a segment. It worked. It worked for Very me. Cool. Yeah. Happy to share it. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's your maybe that's your new niche. It, maybe it might be a little bit horizontal. Yes, I, I love the idea um, of a horizontal and a vertical because it's brilliant. That's a great framework that you created there, Matt. And I, I I'm going to rip it off, 100. percent Cool. All right. Well, thanks for being on the show, John. This has been the Words First podcast, John. Any last words of wisdom, Matt? Only to encourage you. Like, thank you. You're one of the best. You've been around for so long, and I would just highly endorse your work. I mean, if all the guides are looking to you, then I'm, you must be just killing it with your clients <laughs> too. So, well done serving the story brand community and the greater business community. So, thanks for having me to be a part of that in some way. Sounds good. I'll get you your endorsement check for that nice <laughs> yeah. testimonial. Link. All right, awesome. we'll leave it there. This has been Words First. You should like and subscribe to the podcast if you're listening. You can find more episodes at my website, bankercreative.com, or find us on Apple, Spotify, whatever you use. Catch you next time. Bye.